0: Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Moneo, and each episode, I bring in a different business leader to do some game-changing work. And this episode, I'm so delighted to finally have Dave Roder, who's the VP of Global Partnerships over at Snap. We're going to have a great conversation. Take a listen. Hey, Dave.
1: What is up, Laura? Finally, you said it. You said it right. Been I think a long it's like three time years. Coming.
0: I feel like it's been like three years. I
1: think so. <laughs> I think so too. I think so too.
0: <laughs> oh, all those many many years ago, chatting away on on the roof of somebody some fancy hotel in Cannes and now having a, a podcast conversation over Zoom. Oh, how I far re- we've come!
1: I remember it like it was yesterday. First of all, how are you, how are you doing?
0: Uh, I'm good. I'm very busy. This new job is exciting and accelerating. A lot of work um but yeah having a really great time now the way the podcast works so i ask the questions <laughs> uh and the, and the first question is always the same and the answers are always great and i think yours will be no different so dave what was your first job so i uh
1: my first job i i'll go back i'll go back i guess to the high school time which I think is the first job I really remember doing. And I thought it was one of the coolest jobs. I was, I was, So I grew up in Rockland County, New York and I got a job at Pudgy's Chicken. And uh, Pudgy's Chicken at the time, I don't know if it was franchised, I'm I'm not really sure, but at the time we thought maybe this was gonna become the new Kentucky Fried Chicken. And so it was the, it, Pudgies? Was, the hot it was really new, called Pudge's. It was called Pudge's. It was the hot new chicken place in Rothman County. And I spent a few months working uh, behind the cash register. I spent a few months, I remember uh, cooking the french fries and dropping the chicken into the fryer later. And I, I got, I'll say this, I, I did not realize it back then. I, I did not. But when you think back about, certain experiences. It was really the first experience I had in like a customer service environment. I really got to like work and meet people and talk to people and, you know, nobody ever likes soggy French fries. And I, and I have these vivid memories of having to sort of navigate both happy customers, but also unhappy customers around, uh, around things like soggy French fries. And so that was my uh, my very first job. I don't know where Pudgies went from there, uh, but I uh, but I, I I vividly remember that experience.
0: Jeez, <laughs> I mean that's an insane name for a chicken place. I'm just gonna say that because I feel like I wouldn't. You know, I don't know if I would trust the safety of the chicken if it's called Pudgies. I don't disagree. At the time, I don't think I. I don't. I don't think I
1: recognized that at the time.
0: Okay, so we go from Pudgy's Chicken to Snap. What was that journey like?
1: It was just a direct jump, straight from Pudge's oh. Chicken to Snap. Makes sense. Uh, no, no. Um, you know, it's a good question. I, my, I think the whole journey has been like somewhat connected in a very, I, I guess, a very like super non. Linear way, I think. Like so many people, I started at an advertising agency. I'll say it wasn't it was not the easiest job to get. I came out of college. I don't want to date myself too much, but we're talking like mid nineties, and uh, I come out of college, and I found myself. I got myself into a uh, into a temp program at uh, one of the big uh, TV networks. And I was rotating through different teams. And really, I was doing a lot of executive administration work. And one one day, and I wish I knew who it was, but one of the executives, maybe about three months in, came over and said, you know, I, I think there's a better path for you. And it's over at a company called the Media Edge. And at the time, the Media wow. Edge was, yep, was a media buying agency. It was... Just being spun out of uh n w air which uh, was one of the creative agencies back in the day and uh and they sent me up there for uh you know for an interview and thankfully the fine people at the media edge uh took me in gave me a chance as a uh as a TV buyer and I did that for a couple of years and then you know it was the late nineties and digital was just becoming was really just sort of finding its way and there was an opportunity for uh, for people to move out of TV and into digital. And obviously, at the time, everyone thought that was the wrong move, but uh, I went for it. And uh, I, I was a part of the team that helped open up the digital agency, which very unique name. We called it the Digital Edge. Uh, we were super creative <laughs> in our names.
0: Very creative, like uh, you know, I
1: and and there was no there was no guide, there was no well there was a there was a book. We actually we went on to uh we went on to Amazon and we bought a book and it was really a how to plan and buy digital media. And so we bought that book, we used that book, and we started the agency. And I guess my life in digital sort of took off from uh from there.
0: Oh, you you literally bought a book about how to do this.
1: We did. <sighs> yes. We did. We did. And it worked. And it worked. It, uh, it taught you just enough to sort of get the business, uh, get the business going. You know, I, I, um, I got to work on a lot of really big and fun brands and I got to work with a lot of great media partners. And then, you know, through the years, I spent a, I spent seven and a half years on the agency side. And eventually I started working really closely with uh, with ESPN, specifically ESPN.com. And I realized that I just loved the the vibe. I loved what they were building, and so I started pursuing opportunities there. And uh, it gave me my first opportunity to sell. I became a salesperson uh, at ESPN. You know that that for me was like that was it. That was like the end of the journey. And I, I'll, I'll if, you, if you went and you asked my mother today, you know, there's probably right before I went to college, she sat me down and said, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, uh, I want to work at, I just want to work at ESPN. Like I had no clue what <laughs> I wanted to do for ESPN, but that was it. I just, that's all I wanted to do in my life was go work at uh, at ESPN. And so here I am 10 years later and uh, you know, I'm living, I'm just living out that dream. And it And it, I don't know, it kind of felt that way. It really was in many ways. Uh, that sort of first dream job. And I spent over 10 years there, which was really cool.
0: And now you're at Snap, which is obviously an amazing game-changing technology camera company.
1: It is. It is. I mean, there there were more stops along the way, not too many, but you know, I got, I'd say at ESPN, I got some awesome advice. I mean, anybody out there that's like starting out and thinking about what's next, my one of my bo- many bosses. One of my bosses at ESPN said, "Sometimes you need to look where not everybody else is looking." And what what he meant by that was, everybody mobile was just becoming a thing. The iPhone came out, and everybody wanted to be in mobile and video. And so you had all these people chasing, you know, jobs in these areas that were highly lucrative, that were growing fast and there was this thing over to the side and it was uh it was social media and you know there weren't really many people that were sort of raising their hands when it first started becoming a thing and you know i i i put my hand up and said all right let's go see what this is all about and that got me just got me in the door at a lot of different companies and one of them was uh was twitter and i found myself sitting in the twitter office and i found myself thinking about ways to Combine what ESPN had and what Twitter had, and go out into the marketplace and help advertisers do cool things with both. And I guess it it gave me an interesting new perspective. And again, like now all of a sudden I'm sort of yearning to work there. And that you know that that's what really brought me into the tech world. It it gave me a, a global perspective. All of a sudden I'm traveling the world. I'm learning about culture and. You know, you're just you're just doing things that you've never done before, and you're building new muscles, and so that was a cool experience. But that really sort of helped get me into the tech world, if you will. Um, I did one little stop in between Twitter and Snap. We started working with a content company. It was founded by uh, uh, Derek Jeter and, and a woman, Jamie Messler, and. It was a company called the Players' Tribune. I think when I met you, I was working for the Players' Tribune. And I met you in Cannes. I'll never forget. We were at the Female Quotient. Uh, and uh, I think we were both there to both listen and speak, which was pretty awesome. And But I, I got to go work at this company. Really cool experience. And uh, And it was there that I started getting to work closer with Snap. I started spending time in the Snap office. We started making shows for Snap. And I started to really recognize the power that Snap had with this generation of consumers. And I you know, just wanted to I wanted to be there. i uh, I started to uh, spend more time. I started to go to to different types of events, and eventually I found myself in the audience, and I was listening to a, a presentation from Snap, and they were talking about all of the different the fundamental different ways that the platform was was built versus anybody else as sort of the antidote to social. Uh, And that was just incredibly exciting. And so, you know, again, like this sort of connection through line, through all of my different roles that has now brought me to uh, what I think is one of the most exciting companies, probably the most exciting company that I've ever been a part of.
0: Oh, fantastic. Like that's no, you know, it's such a great story. And, you know, you know, you kind of right place, right time, but then having the skills to like be able to jump on that are so key. Now, one of the reasons that, you know, we have wanted to chat for years is because, you know, all that glitters is not gold and the work that we do can be very challenging for us. And so I, you know, would love for you to talk about the other side of it you've had to deal with along the way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I've been pretty vocal about just in general mental health, uh, the need for us to to talk about it, to be more open about it. About, I guess, about three years ago, I got an opportunity. Uh, as I started being more open about my own my anxiety, my depression, my mental health, uh, and I'm happy to answer any questions about that. But as I started being more open in public, I got an opportunity to join a board of a nonprofit who is really helping college students uh, by being active on college campuses. And so this is like just a topic that is so incredibly near and dear to me. And I just think it's something that if more people were open and we were talking more about it, we could make some real progress uh, along the way. I always, I think one of my favorite things to say is, you know, can we get to a point where as much as we're okay to talk about our, you know, we've got a cold or I've got, a, 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 my leg hurts, you know, can we get to a point where we're, we're, we're comfortable talking about the fact that, you know, maybe I'm not having the greatest mental health day. And if I go to physical therapy for my hurt leg, sometimes I come into the office. It's like a badge of honor. I just got back from physical therapy. Like it feels so good to say that. Well, why not come in and say, like, I just had an absolute kick ass th- therapy session. And, you know, my therapist is the absolute best. And holy cow, as she, you know, helped me get through the day and helped, my, you know, helped me with my life. I think the more we can make it comfortable and okay to talk like that, I think the more we will we'll talk like that. And hopefully that means that, you know, all the people that are growing up and coming up into this industry will feel comfortable. I actually think they're doing that now. I think they're teaching us. That it is okay to talk about not being okay. You know, I, I, I grew up where like, you just had to be okay all the time. And I'm trying to live my life now where, no, it's actually okay to talk about the fact that you're not okay. And so I think that uh, it's just something that is really near and dear to me. And you can tell I get excited talking about it. And I hope we as an industry can really open up and, uh, and just do more to, uh, to help.
0: Yeah, and I think this is, you know, one of the things that's so necessary is for folks to say that it's okay to not be okay. Because I think in our industry, especially, there is this insane stigma how you have to be perfect. And of course, you're hustling hard and you're working so hard. Like, that is just a thing. And, um, you know, know, that is just not the case. And it's, you have to be able to, like, be able to step away. You also have to be able to like ask for help and they're not and not be that you think you're going to lose your job.
1: That, that that's right. yeah, and and trust me, I've gone through several different roles at different companies where I've been petrified to talk about this. I've thought about it. Uh, it. Snap is really the first company where I've been super comfortable to be open and talk about it and talk about it in front of the company, which I've done. And uh, and I and I think I think you're right. I think we I think we're. I might mean, I'll speak for myself. I know that I'm stronger when I do take timeouts. I always remind myself I've got to breathe. I've got to take pauses. I've got to meditate a couple of times a day. Um, eating is you know the way I eat, and the, the, if I go out for a bacon double cheeseburger, which I might do later. I'm not going to feel as good tomorrow. I'm not going to be as productive. I know that, but at least I'm making that conscious decision now. I don't know that I knew that, you know, many years ago when it was all I was eating. And so I, I just, there are so many things like self-care is, it's not just one thing, but I think we just have to, we have to sort of program it and we have to make it okay and remind ourselves, like, I can't go through 19 video calls in a row and be expect to be strong by the fifth. Like, if I don't get up and take a walk, I will absolutely, you know, fall apart by the sixth or seventh call. And so I know that now about myself, and I think that probably holds true for a lot of people. And so we just, we have to, we have to have leaders that expect and embrace that. And we have to certainly drive that from within.
0: That's, I, you know, so that's the thing. It's like, so as a leader, how, how do you sort of? let your team know that like don't have 19 calls in a row like how do you help them kind of help seek kind of find those boundaries and balances that we all need
1: yeah i i think you i think it starts with reminding and, and talking about it openly on a very regular basis this can't be a you know once at the beginning of the year as a resolution and then we'll talk about it at the next resolution time i think it's in every all hands that you do, reminding people to take that time out, reminding people quarter? to take the day off. Uh, I try to, you know, little tricks for me. I try to put breaks in the calendar. I find that if there's a there's a 30 minute break in my calendar a couple of times a day, that just helps balance it. I don't forget to take it. It sort of forces it on me. Um, I think personally, this is me now, like turning notifications off on your phone as best as you possibly can is, Awesome. So at least, if not during the day, at least after a certain point at night, you know, shutting email down late at night, and certainly over the weekends, I think goes a long way to helping as uh, as well. But I feel like it just starts with. You know, it, it, this has to be built into the everyday. It can't be, like I said, it can't be. We're just going to talk about this in January, coming into the new year, and then we'll do it again next year. It has to be built into uh, the culture every day. Does that make sense? And,
0: oh, absolutely. And I think this is the thing that like, you know, now that I'm in corporate again, um, this is something that like, I'm trying to like, you know, instill them up to my team and be like, listen, take a break, get up. Do not like, but like you all have not, you can't have, these, you can't have all these meetings. I mean, yesterday I had 13 meetings. <laughs> so, uh, so I think, um, it is, uh, you know, you have to model it yourself as well. And, and it's hard because, like, you know, you have so much to do and you have X number of hours a day. But it is very important that leadership at the top kind of sets that stage that enables folks to feel comfortable. to are like, OK, I'm going to you know, take a walk. I'm going to be out for the next hour um, because otherwise it's just going to be it's just, it, 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 you will fall apart. And, you know, and you, can, and you can see folks that don't have a poker face and you can see that like, they're about to die. And you're like, okay, like, for your own mental health, please, like, walk away for the next hour. Uh, and see, if you see on my calendar, it's, it says free because like, yeah, I'm not available because I'm going to for a walk. And I think when you see that, that kind of instills to your team that it's okay to do that.
1: Yep, I, I love that. I sent an email the other day to somebody and I got back an auto reply that just said, I'm taking the afternoon off for a mental health afternoon. And I just like I, that. I love it. It was from another company, but I don't know. It's just like, that's the kind of stuff that I think if more people see that and more people get exposed to that, more people then do that again, that's like, we're sort of feeding it. And then we, I don't know, maybe we all get ahead of it. I also think like 13 meetings in a day, like, no, That should be a no, but if you have to do 13 meetings in a day, you know, can six of them be calls and not looking at yourself and not looking at the screen? I think that's also another way to sort of hack the system a little bit and get up and walk around and just put your, uh, your AirPod in and go for a walk to me. Like that is another just sort of trick to, to, to balancing all the video stuff that we're doing all day.
0: It really is. So like, this is a great question. So like, how was it for you during the pandemic?
1: I mean, there was there was uh, I, all emotions, right? There was like the, uh, I'm a very nervous person uh, to begin with. Like my anxiety is always, it's always been relatively high. So like there was like the anxiety ongoing of like, oh no, my family, are we going to be safe? Um, there was definitely, oh, this is interesting. I can get all this work done because I'm not on the subway. I live in the city. I'm not going up and down on the subway three or four times a day. And so now all of a sudden, like that time is being filled with work and so good and bad there. Uh, And then I don't, I mean, I'll just like the the highlight of it is I get to, I have had dinner with my wife and kids now for the last, you know, two years, basically every single day, you know, with the exception of a couple of trips. And that's just like, I don't know, that's given me a totally new perspective on Just family and like that's so important and uh, you know I don't know that I had I had that perspective, but I don't think I was living the way I'm living it right now like I don't want to miss another meal, and I get sad when I miss a meal and I don't think I, I don't think I knew that, you know pre uh, pre pandemic.
0: Oh, I think that's one of the kind of weird gifts of the pandemic is that it did force us to slow down because, like we weren't going to can, for example. Um, that's right and and that was and honestly, I think the pause was really necessary. And I think it also gave people the ability to kind of understand that, like maybe their work styles have just changed, and that's okay. Like maybe I don't need to be in an office every single day. and it doesn't make me less of a a great employee. um, but but um. This is, uh, you know, it's just a point of uh, you have to, you know, figure out what's your the healthiest way that you can work.
1: That yep. yep, that's right, that's right.
0: So you know, you know, in doing all the work that you have over the years, talking about time, if you had you had a project where you're like, "There's no way I'm getting through this," and then you did. I probably think about that a lot.
1: I, I probably like I was. I mean. It, this won't even be my project, but I was just, um, I was just looking at some of the work that my, uh, my kids are doing. And I started just thinking back to like what I, what I was doing back in school and the way I had approached things. And I don't know, there's, I've, I've sort of, I mean, they're just, they're incredible. My daughter right now is doing a Ted talk on, uh, gender equality and pay equality and it's just um, it's a am- it's amazing old? like <laughs> I know I know she's uh she's 12 um I really I I I, I want to probably get her on your next podcast if we can do that it's pretty it's pretty awesome um and I don't think I'm really answering your question but I just it got Go me thinking it. back to the it got me thinking back to the way that I was like the way I would like approach things <laughs> back back all the way back when and I don't know that I approached them very efficiently. And the way that like my kids are doing it now is amazing. Um, but yes, we should get her on your podcast if you're uh, if you're if you're open to that. Of
0: course. Of course. I have never had someone under the age of 18, but they're the first time for everything. And so I would love to have her on a podcast. Like yeah, But, but you like
1: I, I think like your question, like I I I really I probably think that about a lot of projects. I probably my my Again, like I mentioned this a couple of times, my, my sort of personality is typically like, oh, how are we going to get this done? How are we going to do this? Like, how, how are we going to hit that whatever? Like, and then it, it every single time it goes well. I mean, I, it, it's, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'll go, I'll go here. Like, I, the um, very, very, very first time I was asked to give a presentation in front of a large crowd I had such anxiety that I got behind the stage I was up next as they were calling my name I was running out the back door to go home and I was like in a full sprint to get out of this place I couldn't this was years ago but I just there's no way I was getting on that stage and talking in front of people absolutely no way and so I like now I you can tell I kind of like maybe talking too much but when I get to go and give a talk on stage Every single time I start thinking about, I'm never going to be able to do this. Like my very first thought is, why did I say yes? I'm not going to be able to do this. It's going to go horribly wrong. And then every single time it goes pretty good. It goes decent. Not maybe not amazing, but it goes decent. And so I go through that just about every single time somebody says, hey, do you want to go talk at a conference or an event?
0: Wow. Um, I'm right there with you. I mean, similarly, I like had a, serious fear of public speaking and um cuz i have a stutter and so which most people can't tell cuz i've like figured out ways to like overcompensate for it it's part of the reason i talk so fast sometimes but yeah i i have similar like get me out of here i don't want to do this and and now it's like all right i can do this i can rock it but it yeah, yep. you know you ha- you definitely have to kind of go through it in order to like get to the other side um you do yeah no you do you do i mean i I mean i I literally left
1: like i john i ran off the stage out of the back room and just ran all the way downtown and home and you know got a few calls and just said i had an upset stomach of course like what else do you say uh and then but but i'll say like i'm i'm lucky that i had people around me that sort of took it upon themselves to help me as opposed to like kicking me out. (laughs) So, you know, they, they made it their mission to get me over that. And that was awesome because there's no way I could do anything without like, that was probably the most critical moment in my career when someone sort of took me under their wing and said, okay, we got two options. One, we can like give up on you and two, we can invest in you. And thankfully they took the investment approach. And, uh, and so we're still here
0: absolutely and and now you're thriving so there we go um so you know obviously you know we talked a lot about mental health and like how you can find your ways like what so what are the real dave self-care methodologies that you use to take care of Dave to put Dave first
1: so it meditation like starts starts and stops with meditation uh for me i've discovered maybe about 10 years ago i discovered transcendental meditation which is just a I think a easy way of just teaching yourself how to breathe twenty minutes in the morning, twenty minutes at night? do I do it every single day for t- twice? no, but I try to get at least one twenty minute session in in the morning every day. and like that's if I don't, then I'm again I'm just I'm not myself. so it starts uh, it really starts there. Everything else is like. Yeah, a little exercise. I love, I love running. Um, so I try to run every morning. Uh, I, I definitely have recognized again, I've sort of in a, at a very late age, I've realized that nutrition and like sugar has so much to do. Caffeine has so much to do with my particular brain. So the less I eat of it, the better my brain reacts to everything else. So I'm trying really hard and I'm, I love my french fries. I love my chocolate. I love my, you know, my tequila soda. And I'm just trying really hard to just like figure out how to, how to make sure that I'm not overdoing it because it really does impact everything else. Um, and then I don't know, i like the more I play with my kids, the better. I just, I know I mentally feel so much better when I'm out playing with them. So I just, I try in every, they're going to probably come running in, their school is over two minutes ago. So they'll come running in any second. And the more I get to play with them, the better everything seems to be.
0: Ah, it sound, sounds like a really good way to like, make sure we take care of all the stress. Uh, well, fantastic. And so last question for you, Dave, do you have a give and ask of the audience?
1: A given an ask of the audience. I, oh, that's a good one. I don't know. I wasn't expecting anything like that. You know, I, I, I guess I am going to stay on the theme of mental health. And I just, you know, I, I, I know the type of audience that you reach. I've seen the type of guests you've had on the past. I'm like humbled to be here. And I just, the more people that want to sort of engage in a mental health discussion like let's do it let's have it let's get together let's think about especially in our industry where we are i think some of the most influential people and some of the most influential jobs let's come together and see what type of uh, impact we can make let's talk about it let's bring you know a, a good amount of energy to, uh, to, more, to more people, because, again, the more of us, I think, that are talking about this, the faster we change the conversation, the faster we kind of end that stigma around it. And uh, I think together we can make a pretty awesome impact.
0: That's perfect. Because I think, you know, and it's one of the reasons I've wanted for so long to get to this podcast because you're a straight light dude. And you struggle with mental health. And, and you're open and honest about it. And I think you do so much to help folks understand that, like, it's okay to be not okay. And the more that we see guys who look like you, um, who are open and honest about that, I think that goes a tremendously long way in helping other folks understand that, like, this is just, it's just part of who we we are and, and to erase those stigmas and, like, and let people get a chance to... Um, you know get the help that they need so that they can so they can find they can find tools um, and methodologies so they can really help find their way so you know i think it, it's just so important that you're you dave so thank you so much
1: i appreciate that so much no i i uh, and i'm so glad that we finally got to do this this is uh this is awesome hopefully it doesn't take another three years to do it again but um, uh, I'm I'm grateful for you and congrats again on your new job and I uh, hope to see you maybe in Can again soon.
0: Yeah, I'll be there. Oh, I'll be awesome. there. You know that. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll put all the details in the show notes for folks to reach out to you and connect with the nonprofit you've been working with um, and you know, again, just keep those lines of communication over. So thank you so much, Dave. It's been such a delight to have you on the show.
1: Uh, likewise. Thank you so much.
0: Cool. Bye, everyone. And- That's our show.